0: Hey resiliency listeners, before we get into this episode, I want to apologize for getting this one out so late. Last month I got COVID and though the primary symptoms cleared up in a couple of days, I continue to feel the long-term effects of not getting enough air when I breathe, fatigue and brain fog. So when I should have been finishing up the editing of this episode, sometimes I just took a nap. I apologize for the delay, but I think you'll find our guest Michael Sullivan to be well worth the wait. Michael joined Steve and I to talk about his work in the field of neurotheology. Our conversation was a fascinating combination of brain science and spiritual formation, which those of you who know me know those are two of my favorite topics, and I got to talk about them at the same time. Michael mentioned several books by the director and founder of his organization, Life Model Works, which also has a number of additional resources on their website. So before I get ahead of myself, let's play our intro and get this episode started. You are listening to Resiliency, a podcast that takes an inside look at enhancing the vitality and resiliency of field workers. Twice a month, co-hosts Steve Finley and Silas West bring you their conversations with long-term field workers or experts in the field of member care with the goal of encouraging you in your life and work of cross-cultural ministry. Hey everybody, welcome back to Resiliency. Thanks for being here for episode 61 of Resiliency. We try to drop a new episode twice a month. If this is your first time listening, we welcome you and hope you enjoy it. If you're a regular listener, please think of someone you could share this with. We also really want to hear from you. If you have an idea for an episode, a correction or comment about a previous episode, or just want to tell us how amazing we are, you can do so by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. You can leave a review on Instagram at Resiliency Podcast or email us at resiliencypodcast at AntiochWaco.com. Also, as I often say, your reviews and ratings will help others find the podcast. So if you have found this to be a helpful resource, help us make it possible for others to discover it. Right before we jump into our interviews, we usually do a segment where Steve and I review a resource that we think you would find to be helpful. Today I want to encourage you to check out the website of the organization of our guest Michael Sullivan, lifemodelworks.org. There you will find books by founder and author Jim Wilder, and other resources that you can explore that might help you develop your ability to attach to and grow in intimacy with God. If Steve were here, he could say a little something about Renovated, one of Jim's books that he's currently reading, but he's not here, so you're going to have to find out for yourself. So check out lifemodelworks.org. I'll include a link in the notes. Now let's get going with our interview with Michael Sullivan.
1: So, Michael Sullivan, Director of Relational Networks for Life Model Works. We're so thankful. Silas and I are grateful to have you on Resiliency today and just have gotten the joy of meeting you recently and uh, love the time that we had on the phone last month and you and I and Susan and Terry just having lunch together here in Waco at the end of our organization's U.S. conference. And, uh, yeah, we're just very grateful to that you're a part of of who we are through relationship now, and I want this friendship to grow. And I want our listeners on resiliency today, Silas, and I would love for them to get to know you as we've begun to. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself
2: and sure. as well as the ministry? I was um, raised in a um, in a uh, nominal Christian family, um, and I was the third of four kids. I was the baby for eight years. Dad and mom loved each other, stuck together i had a happy childhood but but i thought you know i had an encounter with god as i look back on it when i looked up into the stars when i was six and i realized there was infinity and i didn't know the word but i felt it Mm -hmm. and i was like wow you know there's a god and that instinctive awareness of god's presence you know that paul talks about in romans one was there Mm -hmm. and uh but i thought you had to die to meet god because nobody ever told me you could meet god before you died Mm -hmm. so And then later I heard the gospel, and it kind of scared me because it was about sin, you know. And it was like, oh, I thought I was a good person. And the Holy Spirit convicted me of my sins. And I tried to run away from God and failed miserably after two years. And he picked me up and said, I've got you. And I had uh, amazing encounter, uh, prophetic encounters with uh, with the Holy Spirit. And um, I was radically converted as a pseudo-intellectual hippie jock. Which, which I was at 18. <laughs> First time I've ever heard the description, all those together. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> several, quite a few different masks that I was wearing, trying to find out who, who I was. And then I met Jesus, and, you know, really, he's the one that tells us who we really are. Yeah. And so uh, I started to discover that, and I found out God loved me and that I could know him before I died, which was mm-hmm. a surprise. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, just amazing, you know, amazing uh radical change in my life. Um, married Terry in 1977, we uh, we've been pastors, church planters, teachers uh, in the body of Christ and uh, had our first three kids in Arkansas. Ended up moving to Kansas City in 1987 to join the staff of a large church there. And uh, wow, I've worn a lot of different hats through the decades. Uh, and um, But God has taught us so many things, I'm so grateful. And we've met so many amazing people, um, and now I've met you guys, and mm-hmm. I'm really excited about that. And I've been friends with Jimmy Seibert for, I don't know, I think I met Jimmy in 1989. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Jimmy used to come to our conferences in Kansas City, that's where I met him. And we had friends in common from our histories, so that was fun. Yeah. So anyway, I've been, I'm great friends with Don, Don and Julie Steadman, they're mm-hmm. best friends. And, um, and of course Drew, we knew Drew when he was a little baby. So. And there he was just leading that conference we just
1: had. I know, so it's crazy. Amazingly, <laughs> yeah. Well,
2: so uh, tell us a little bit about Life Model Works. Yeah, it's a, it's an amazing organization, 50 years old. Uh, it started as a street ministry in Van Nuys, California, reaching out to the kids on the street because Van Nuys Boulevard was like a place where kids would hang out and they were you know into drugs and and stuff, and um, so this coalition of amazing people just started gathering to start the Shepherd's House. It was a coffee house, then it became a brick-and-mortar counseling center. But it drew these really brilliant, uh, highly educated, godly men and women from different disciplines and they brought their best stuff to the table and they started formulating what we now call the life model. So it was kind of built out in modules. But um, the Shepherd's House uh, was there for a long time in Pasadena, and it it was serving like 200 churches, uh, and they were sending their most difficult situations pastorally to the Shepherd's House for help. So some of the most addicted, abused people in Southern California found their way to the Shepherd's House Mm and got their lives back and met Jesus. and. And, and lo and behold, in, the, in all this you know, highly educated professional counseling environment, um, the Lord started showing up very personally in the counseling rooms. And this is where the life model started to really kick in because one of our main planks is the Emmanuel lifestyle. God is the Emmanuel God. He's the God who presences us. I, I've turned presence noun into verb, presencing. Mm-hmm. God presences people and we presence him, and we presence one another. And this is a very, very important feature of transformation, Mm -hmm. is having the experience of being presenced. So that's what sort of happened at the Shepherd's House. And then, uh, it's a long story that I won't go into, but the Shepherd's House ended up becoming, uh, not being a brick and mortar counseling center any longer. It started to become a resource center for churches and church movements around the world. And we've served everyone from Roman Catholics to uh, to Amish, and even had opportunities to share some of these practices with non-Christian groups who meet the presence of Christ. And they go, what is that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the counselors go, or the leaders go, well, that's Jesus Christ. And they say, well, we want him. Mm. And we've seen whole groups of uh, non-Christians come to faith who were part of other religions. That's neat. Yeah. Yeah, so so now I I'm the director of relational networks uh, of um, the um, Life Model Works. Jim Wilder is our thought leader. We've written about twenty five books. LifeModelWorks.org, and we have a store that you can see, and uh, it's it's all about the combination of brain science and uh, Christian spirituality. So the Bible and brain science coming together to optimize uh, the experience of human maturity on one hand and then transformation into the image of Christ, you know, on the other hand, which they kind of are layered with each Mm -hmm. other. So that's our expertise, and we're a resource for churches of all kinds and organizations of all kinds, and we host conferences, we write books, we... Have consulting services. We do some teaching uh, online uh, classes online, and uh, I'm having a blast. Hmm. So I can tell there's a sparkle
0: in your
1: eyes, (laughs) as you
0: love to say. Yeah, yeah. You just talked about this interface of um, brain science and uh, spiritual formation. How does that develop into resiliency?
2: Yeah. So um, the there are. things that are precursors to resiliency and and to make it simple i would say it's things like love joy peace let's start there love joy peace and of course patience is the next fruit of the spirit in galatians 5 so that's resiliency is that that ability mm-hmm. to you know endure right endurance so so love joy and peace are Uh, Our right hemispheres are designed by God to be the host for those virtues, and so what's happened in our culture is we've kind of been pushed into our left hemisphere skills, and we've monetized those, and that's how people make Mm -hmm. it in the world, in our culture. And we've neglected right hemisphere uh, design, uh, hierarchy, and actually the right hemisphere operates at a different speed than the left hemisphere. So the real distinction between the right and left hemisphere is about hierarchy and speed, and so hierarchy is where information—I'd even broaden it to say reality—we process what what is real first through our right hemisphere, and then it passes over to the left and is processed down from there. So, so the the right hemisphere is your relational brain; your left hemisphere is your rational brain, and these are these. Uh, Right hemisphere skills are very relational, number one. Number two, they're faster than conscious thought. And so you can't reason your way into your right hemisphere to build it up. You have to have experience. Mm-hmm. So, relational experience, relational learning, relational experience, emotional experience, physical experience, and spiritual experience is what causes the right hemisphere to grow. And so The life model uh, very much has learned from uh, Dr. Alan Shore out of UCLA and his team. Uh, He's the granddaddy in our day of attachment theory. And so the life model is very much bathed and based in attachment theory. And so the the first part of the right hemisphere that's deep down by the, the brainstem is the attachment center. And so, we believe that this, the biblical link to attachment in science is the word hesed in the Hebrew. And hesed is God's love that is a sticky love. It's a love that never quits. It's a love that bonds you. And so people need to be attached to God. And so this is, this is a, a soteriology of attachment. It's salvation by being attached. It's kind of like in the New Testament, abiding. Right, the branches abide in the vine. There's an organic bond there, and so this is this attachment center is really critical that it gets uh, that it gets bathed in God's love, and it gets bathed in the love that God brings to us through human beings as well. God doesn't just love us on His own; He wants us to be loved by others as well, and so it's a both-and, not an either-or. And, in, and you read through First John, and it's almost like it doesn't matter what's first, chicken or the egg. You know, if you get loved by God's people first, then you'll end up being loved by God. If you get loved by God first, you'll end up loving God's people. Mm-hmm. So attachment is at the root of the life model. And then it kind of goes, we've discovered, this is, this is what we posit, is that we've discovered the master control center for the entire brain, and it's embedded in the right hemisphere. So it's in stations that has hierarchy to it. And so attachment is the first part of the brain that becomes aware of something that's personal to you, some reality that becomes personal to you. Then it goes to the amygdalas that assess it, the assessment center. So so it's the attachment center to the assessment center to then the attunement center is where we begin to experience a, a, a mutual mind with other persons, and that includes God. And so God will think with us, and we can think with him. This is having the mind of Christ in New Testament terms. In, in terms of our mutual mind states, it's koinonia, mm-hmm. right, where Christ is traveling the road between our hearts, and we, we, we get each other. You know, Steve. I say I, I look at Steve, and I spent some time with you, and we experienced God's love together. And I go, Steve, I get you. Mm-hmm. And you say, Michael, I get you. Mm-hmm. I see you. Yeah, I see you too. This is this is uh, the third station of the master control center. Is the um, is the cingulate cortex, and and this is uh, also where our relational circuits are. And so we we teach people how to turn their circuits on. Their relational circuits, so that they get into a relational space in their selves, within themselves. They become relational, relationally attuned. They become relationally aware. And then from there, it goes to the prefrontal cortex, which is the, a brilliant part of our brain. It continues to grow after we're little. It's growing today, it's growing right now as we're talking and listening to each other. New neural networks and connections are being created in our prefrontal cortex. And our prefrontal cortex is where our identity center is. And this is what the life model is after, is an identity shift down deep in the pre-conscious part of our being where we discover who we truly are in Christ, who Christ is in us. And we're we're different. And then it's not so hard to be like Jesus. It's something that is like second nature to us. And I like that uh, wordplay, second nature. This is the new birth. It's We have a new nature and we can be like Jesus. And that's why he came, to help us become like him. Yeah. So, so brain skills are associated with all of this. And we've got like 19 brain skills that we teach. And, uh, and they match with the classical disciplines and spiritual formation. The classical disciplines are more in the slow track, but these brain skills are in the the fast track. And when they come together, you've got humility drills. That's what I like to call the disciplines. Humility drills that keep you in the right space and keep God in his space in the right way. And then the brain skills come along and they just enhance the experience of transformation and accelerate it and deepen it and make it sustainable.
0: What would be an example... Of, a, of one of these skills yes.
2: okay so uh, let's see uh, where should I start a good one is uh, the skill of quieting so the, uh, this is a brain skill where people learn to quiet themselves and they, they welcome the presence of God to help them settle down because we don't learn best when we're amped up mm-hmm. we learn best when we're at peace when we are quiet. And so there are physical things that you can do to quiet yourself. You can do some breathing techniques. You can do tapping of the vagus nerve. It's kind of becoming well-known now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and some of the EMDR things that, that they do, I don't know much about that yet. But, um, but another really great way to quiet ourselves is to become grateful. And the culture around us is picking up on this, and the universities are picking up on this. And I just heard that there was a big article in the New York Times about quieting, uh, or gratitude, I'm sorry, about gratitude and how important it is. Anyway, it rewires the brain. So we teach people a simple interactive gratitude experience, and they get peaceful. They get quiet. They get into a learning mode. They get into a listening mode. Mm -hmm. So that would be one example.
1: Yeah. So at lunch today, you mentioned calming. Is it different? Like you're talking about quieting right now, or is
2: it? Uh, yeah, I would say sometimes we say quieting, sometimes calming. Okay. okay. Yeah, same thing.
1: Well, I think our listeners are, are really tuning in. With I want to know some more of these things because I want to learn these skills, uh, you know, in order to to develop, you know, develop my spirit, my brain better. So, sure. what what would be another example?
2: Just. So let's see. Uh, I'll pick one. Um, one of, one of the skills would be uh, acting like ourselves, being authentic. When we experience big emotions, our right hemisphere is wired to experience big emotions. And these are challenging emotions. So they are sadness, anger, disgust, shame, fear, and despair. And our right hemisphere is hardwired by God to experience these things in a fallen world. And there are redemptive reasons for why we experience these emotions. But when they when they do hit us and then we can't control whether they we experience them or not everybody does. They hit us, then the challenge become, becomes what do we do hmm. to steward that experience when it comes? And so um, so one of the skills is learning to be authentic when fear hits you or when shame hits you instead of putting on a mask and acting out in some way going outside of who you really are in Christ and who Christ is in you you learn to remain yourself and you you improve your relationships when you are processing a big emotion rather than letting those big emotions destroy relationships mm. So you act like yourself, and your commitment is, I'm going to improve my relationship. God's letting this happen to me right now. I'm going to improve my relationships, and I'm going to stay authentic. And uh, that's another skill that, that we can learn. And a lot of the learning comes from practicing by listening to stories. We listen to each other's stories about how, Steve, how do you handle it when you get angry? You know, how has God taught you to handle anger? And so here I am, a person who has a real problem with anger, let's say. and But Steve's my friend, and we've attached to each other a little bit, and I'm asking for your story, and you tell me your story. Well, the cool thing about the brain is it adopts other people's stories as its own. Mm-hmm. And so now, I've heard your story goes into a library in my left hemisphere, actually, and it's like, oh, Steve told me that great story of how he handled anger, and the next time I'm tempted to be angry and, and not be myself, uh, my right hemisphere is actually cramping at that moment. It's not working right. And, but my left hemisphere can help bail out my right hemisphere because I remember your story. Mm. And I go, oh, that's how Steve does it. I wanna be like Steve. Mm. And this whole thing of be like is very, very powerful for the brain. We, we look for people to be like mm. from the time we're little, little, little. You know? mm. And uh, and that's one of the ways we grow. So that's another brain skill. Hmm. How does
0: that compare to comparison? That's <laughs> kind of a funny way to say that. Mm-hmm. But yeah. How does because we we want to avoid comparison? Sure. And how that kind of drives this false self? Yeah. But then yet at the same time I can grow in my resilience by learning how to be like someone else. So yeah. Like, help me help me. Pull, pull that apart. I,
2: I, my first thought is that we we look for the we look for the Christ like things mm. in people to be like
0: learning, learning <laughs> what to look for and to
1: compare ourselves to. Yeah, it's exactly. Like Say and be
2: an imitator of
1: me as I am of Christ Jesus. Well,
2: He's, there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. perfect example. So imitation is a good thing. Comparison is probably a bad thing. And comparison is often based out of shame. Yeah, that's right. So yeah, we're looking for the the Christ likeness in other people, not their flesh. Mm-hmm. We don't want to imitate their flesh, their flesh patterns. We want to imitate the way that they've learned to be like Christ. But but that's a very powerful and wonderful thing that we shouldn't uh, we shouldn't uh, ignore in the name of I want to be who I really am, so I don't want to be like Steve. But mm-hmm. actually, I do want to be like Steve in some ways, and so I've noticed these things about him. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow, I can do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Um, so with the, the brain science work that you're doing, yeah. you've got some word pictures that help people put this together and, and get a, a grip of, get their head around it. Can you share those with us?
2: Yeah, so, yeah, when I was a little boy, I loved going to the dentist, not because I loved the dentist, but I loved... Highlights for children. I did too. Oh I still my gosh. do. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> I love them. I have run into so many people that love Highlights for Children. Well, I used to get the Highlights for Children and immediately open up to the hidden pictures. Mm-hmm. And so hidden pictures are these big images that have little uh, images that are like non-sequitur images. Like mm-hmm. they don't really fit in the big picture, but they're hidden in the artwork. And your job is to find the iron or find the ironing board or mm-hmm. find the anvil or the hammer, you know. And I used to love I doing that. I can tell that. you've done a lot
1: of them. I've seen all those things. Yeah, too. exactly. Right.
2: <laughs> so, so I here's the analogy is that our lives, God has been, God is the Emmanuel God. Psalm 139 is the Emmanuel Psalm. He, he fashioned us in our mother's womb. God has always been nearby. And this is what Paul told the Athenian philosophers. He said, they said, quoting, he quoted their poet, in him we live and move and have our being. He said, you weren't all wrong, you know, Greek philosophers. You got some of it right. And and then he says, God has a hope that human beings will grope. So I call it the hope to grope. (laughs) He has a hope that they will grope for him and what? Find Mm -hmm. him because he's not far from each one of us. -hmm. And and I think that fundamentalism in Christianity has emphasized and overemphasized separation from God, and that the Bible actually says that God is nearby us. Psalm one thirty nine is full. Just read it. Just pray Mm it. You know, it's amazing. Like, oh God. So so a lot of people come to Christ and then they look back and they think, wait a minute. I, God was helping me come to Christ. God was influencing me long ago. When I was six years old, I looked up into the stars. I had God's help. And I believed in him, you know, even though I didn't know, know him. So here's the point. Jesus was with us before we were with him. That's the premise. Mm-hmm. So, so now with um, the hidden pictures, it's like you can go back and revisit your story. And we don't do this in our mm. culture. We don't take time mm-hmm. to slow down and reflect on our lives and what we've gone through and what we've been through and especially the beautiful things, the lovely things, like Paul says in Philippians 4, whatsoever. It's like he, as the apostle of Christ, he's going, look, you guys, we're in a fallen world. You got to look for this stuff. Mm. But it's there. It's a hidden picture. Mm-hmm. Go find it. And when you find that that thumbprint of God, that fingerprint of God in your story, and you realize that God was nearby you when you didn't maybe give a flip about who he was, it melts your heart, and it, it turns your relational circuits on. Like, oh, God loved me before I loved him. That's good New Testament theology, yeah. right? Yeah. We love him because, like there's a cause for you. Any love you have for God, there's a cause. What is it? The cause is he loved you first. Wow. So, we can find these hidden pictures in our stories and in our histories, so we look for the beautiful things we look for, I call them golden memories when suddenly you see God was there and he was whispering an identity message usually that's what it is who you really are, Steve, mm-hmm. you know who you really are, Silas, who you really are, Michael, and that experience is like an identity message then that uh is it lays the foundation for also resolving trauma. Mm -hmm. Because once we experience the beauties of God's presence with us in our histories, we can also ask Jesus to take us to something that caused us to get stuck, Mm -hmm. a trauma of some kind. And he will take us back and he will give us his version of the story that we haven't heard yet. And I call it the authorized, revised version of your story that he wants to tell you, that helps you get unstuck from something that Traumatized you.
0: You you said earlier that uh, you want to learn a little bit more about EMDR. You're going to love it because that's exactly what that does. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's good. You also had a word picture about batter and ingredients.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So this this one is like we're we're at the counter, you know, and we're like a chef, and we really want to make some great food, and so we got all these great ingredients, and and you know what's the list of ingredients that we tell Christians to do as Christians. Well, read your Bible and pray and, uh, you know, go to church and give and witness and, you know, take short-term mission trip or, you know, we've got all these ingredients. And we put it all in the bowl and we mix it up. But what if at the counter then we said, oh, great, now I've got wonderful food to serve. And we take the spoon and we say, here, Steve, have some of my great food, you know, and it's goopy batter. And the the analogy is is that the church in the church world a lot we had a lot of good ingredients, but I think in many cases we've been serving batter to people, and something's missing, you know. What is it? Well, there's this thing called the magic oven, <laughs> right? The oven. You put this, these ingredients into an oven. At the right temperature for the right amount of time and what happens the the ingredients integrate and they transform into food and then you bring it out of the oven and it's ready to eat it's ready to serve and i think that here's the analogy that the the information that we've been pounding into people's heads of what they need to do as christians to become more like christ a lot of it's just information it's hitting our left hemisphere which is our rational brain and we think that that's all you need. Just here's the truth. Make a better choice and be, you know, and, and serve God, you know, please God. And we're missing the oven and the oven is the right hemisphere. So put the, put the information into the oven, bake it there, let it be saturated with the presence of God with Love And not just the presence of God, but the presence of God's people Mm -hmm. as well. And your parents, you know, and being parents to your children, the family, the church has to be the family of God. The church is not a factory, it's a family. So let's get these things in the oven, let's get them baked, and then let's serve, you know, the food. So it's, a, so it's a much stronger emphasis
1: on r- relationship, it on is. relational health, yeah. vertically and horizontally. Yeah. And moving away from our isolation type, I really, a, a culture right now on planet Earth, I think, uh, where isolation and pulling apart and doing things technologically rather than face-to-face yeah. is uh, becoming mm-hmm. predominant.
2: Yeah, so, it, it's a race... It, 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 in the, the the movie, The Social Dilemma, they call it the race to the bottom of the brainstem. Mm. Mm. And we're saying, we want the Holy Spirit to win that race. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yes, technology has to be, it's powerful, it's useful, but it has to be stewarded really right. well because it will hijack our brains and it will hijack our relationships. So relational, yes, This is your right hemisphere is your relational brain. The, the right hemisphere sees the whole. The left hemisphere works with the parts, and so, but the left hemisphere kind of thinks it knows more than it does, mm-hmm. and it's a little pig-headed, and so we need the right hemisphere to kick in and say, wait a minute, wait a minute, left hemisphere, you need to see the bigger picture here. Mm. So I would say, I would use the word transactional. We have a culture, church culture, you know, in too many cases that's transactional, transactional. in nature and not relational enough. Right.
0: So it takes that information that's in the left hemisphere and tries to just apply it and use it yeah. without it actually having a sense of, of being.
2: Yeah, that's right. And, and, and I like to summarize the life model a lot of times by saying it changes the way of being. Mm. It changes our way of being because we're, we realize we're delighted in by God. And so then we're kind of radiated by this radiant person, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit persons, Radiating us, changing our way of being, that leads to then a style of relating that is transformed because we become de- more delightful ourselves, and we begin to be radiant. Hmm. So we get radiated, and we're we radiated and delighted in. It leads to being more delightful, and we become radiant. And then the then the approach to doing is changed, which is that we uh, take delight in our assignments, you know. Mm-hmm. Like you do, you're a counselor, you like the one-on-one. It's like, Silas, you found, I take delight when that person comes into my office. I love my assignment. I'm taking delight in it. Even though it's, it's hard sometimes. it's There's challenges, there's, you know, sufferings that we embrace. But but I'm taking delight in them, and then uh, we become radioactive for Christ. Mm-hmm. So there's one more...
0: There was one more um, word picture. The upstream splash dams.
2: Yeah. What on earth is that, right? Yeah. So in the (laughs) the logging industry, you know, they cut down timber and they throw it into the river below the dam. And sometimes you get log jams Mm -hmm. and it's dangerous to get out there, humans to get out there in the log jams and try to unjam them. And uh, that's where log rolling became a sport uh, was people getting out into the log jams and getting them unstuck. But, but. In many cases, they now have upstream splash dams. And so what this is is that there are tributaries that feed the river, and in the tributaries are smaller dams, and they close them and let the water build up in the tributaries, and if they get a log jam, they will send the the signal and all, let's say, four splash dams are opened at once. Mm -hmm. And so the the water volume increases significantly as it comes toward the river, and then the speed of the water also increases. And so then it hits the river from all the tributaries, and the log jam often will just sort itself out. Mm -hmm. And so the analogy is that we get jammed up, you know, as human beings, I'm jammed up, maybe I've been traumatized, maybe I'm going through a suffering, maybe, you know, I've had a betrayal, uh, a breakdown of some kind, or uh, maybe a sickness, but we get jammed up relationally, we get jammed up mentally, we get jammed up emotionally, we get jammed up spiritually. And so, so the analogy then is, okay, we've got this log jam, I've got a log jam in my life, Silas, and... Steve, and so what can we do? Well, let's go upstream. And the idea of going upstream is going into the, to the part of our being that is very powerful and has, and has motivations and impetus that is, uh, that is faster than my conscious thought. Mm-hmm. So we're accessing the pre-conscious part of our being. And if we knew how much we depended on our preconscious things in our brains to make us our lives work, well, we'd be pretty embarrassed in some <laughs> lot of stuff. Well, what have what we can do is we can bring that to Christ as well. God can presence that part of our being as well, and so uh, we want to go upstream if we're going to help people really become like Christ and have sustainable discipleship mm-hmm. that is deeper and 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 it actually accelerates the process, we've got to get to that pre-conscious part of our being and get that uh, soaked with God's love, get that soaked with God's presence and the presence of other people who represent God to us. So so there are levels of our brain like the attachment center that needs to be ministered to. Mm. And it's ministered to primarily by actually by people or a person who will attach to us in a deep way and represent God to us. Mm. So we need this. And th- when that gets ministered to and you have a stable relationship with someone who's like Christ it change it, it only takes one or two people in your life mm. to make a big difference in your way of being where I know I'm loved. Yeah. Wow.
0: So, Michael, we've got listeners all over the world. Yeah. And many of them are not going to have a chance to go to the trainings that you you all provide. Sure. Uh, But what would be something that you would want them to take away from this interview if they weren't able to, to go through all of that?
2: Yeah, you know, probably a bunch of a bunch of them are in cultures that do this better than American culture. (laughs) No doubt. (laughs) That's number one. I mean, we can learn. Learn We need to learn from some cultures. That is a good word. Yes. That that do this much better than we tend to do because man, we're always looking at our watch. We're like going on to the next appointment. It's like we gotta get things done. We gotta make some money, you know. And this is dehumanizing Mm. to people. Mm-hmm. So these are, these are things that rehumanize us. These are simple things. They're not high-tech things, they're low-tech things. So I think of three things and, and I'll leave this with everybody. And yeah, so they're, so they're probably already doing some of this stuff, but three things I think of. One is that when you come into someone else's presence, or they come into your presence, that you slow down mm-hmm. long enough to look them in the mm-hmm. eye for just a few seconds and let them know that you're glad to be with them. Mm. This this touches the attachment center, because the attachment center, if it had words, it would say this, is there someone, and this happens from the time we're little infants, is there someone bigger than me, more resourceful than me, who will care for me, but not only care for me, but who will delight in me, Mm. Despite my weaknesses. No, not despite my weaknesses, even because I'm because weak. Of them. Mm. And that's what our attachment center needs. So we can provide that for people, uh, certain people. You know, we have to be wise about how we attach to people, but that's something everybody needs. Um, so, so greeting, it's, it's uh, taking our greetings seriously because the New Testament talks about this. It talks about greeting one another and we need to do it really intentionally and do it well and slow down long enough to not not just hurry up and get our business done but just pause and look each other in the eyes handshaker whatever's appropriate you know mm. in some cultures it's a kiss you know like it was in the bible holy kiss and you express through your eyes and your body language and your facial expressions how glad you are to know them or glad you are to be with them
0: mm. that's another one that thinking of of kenya growing up there how many times i heard the the complaint you didn't greet me yeah i said hi you know walking by or whatever like hey how you doing but the the complaint was later
2: what's wrong you didn't greet me yeah amazing well we're all hurt by this and we don't even register it Mm. (laughs) they did the the Kenyans registered it. Yeah. So that's a good rebuke for us. <laughs> yeah. So so the next thing is this gratitude, which we talked about earlier, is teaching people a life of gratitude. This is apostolic teaching to be thankful for all in all situations of life, to be grateful and thankful. There's always something to be grateful for. And even if it's a trial, God wants to engage with us in the middle of the trial and teach us something. So Everything's an opportunity to learn and become more like Christ. So gratitude uh, is the next G. And then the, the third thing is what I met, mentioned earlier was golden memories. Mm-hmm. And so greetings, gratitude, golden memories. Golden memories is about slowing down again in your life long enough to think about and pray through, what did I just experience? Where was God in that experience? You know, we're going to go away from this interview and we're going to, we could just plow ahead Mm -hmm. and we could move on to the next appointment or the next thing and not drink in the presence of God that's been here with us Mm -hmm. and soak it in. And it would be wise for us, you know, if God has been with us here and we've experienced something of his presence Mm -hmm. and his joy and his love and his wisdom then we should we should think about that we should probably journal about it a little bit and say wow I was with I met Silas today you know I met Silas and he just he just exuded the presence of Jesus to me and it's changed my it's changed me you know it brings me to tears Silas it really does and this is the kind of lifestyle that we're called to live mm-hmm. and so we can start racking up I've got I've got Dozens and dozens, literally hundreds, of golden memories. Now that I've that I've nicknamed, I nicknamed my <laughs> golden memories because when I see the nickname, I can go right back and I can relive the emotions, I can relive the feeling, I can relive the wisdom, I can relive the event, the smells, the sights, the sounds, mm-hmm. and uh, and God wants to teach us through the lessons of life. Mm-hmm. So this becomes our curriculum. Every local church has its unique curriculum because. You're in my church, and I'm in your church, and, and it's your story and my story. Oh, wow. So the other church that I don't go to doesn't get that story, but you <laughs> and I do. And every church has its own unique curriculum because it's made up of the stories of the people that are in it. Wow.
0: That, that uh, one thing that you said about kind of processing the memory of the day um, or thinking it through and, and, and internalizing it makes me think of the Ignatian prayer of examen. Stopping, pausing, welcoming the presence of the Lord, asking Him to just review the day with you and yeah. see what what st- stands out. What do we need to take away from it? Yeah, it's good. Wow. Well, Michael, this has been a great interview. Thank you so much for sharing with us, for sharing with our listeners. It's going to be something that uh, I know is going to a highlight for a lot of people. I wonder if you would pray pray a prayer of blessing and impartation on our listeners for us as we Absolutely. close out.
2: Absolutely Father, thank you for every man, woman and child that listens to this podcast, I pray now, even right now, Lord, through the through the technology somehow, <laughs> that your presence will touch them now. Lord, if there's a need for comfort, I pray you'll bring that comfort. If there's a need for peace, I pray now the blessing of peace, the ancient prayer of the church, I pray the blessing of Christ be theirs. Lord, if there's a need for physical healing, I ask that we'd heal, heal bodies in Jesus' name. And Lord, bring greater joy, greater love, greater peace into the lives of your people so that we can have resiliency as a result. Mm -hmm. And we can endure this world, uh, in this world, and we can learn from you at every turn And all of the trials that we go through, Lord, can turn to gold because you're not far away. You're right nearby. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You're welcome.
0: Thank you for listening to Resiliency. Special thanks to Antioch Music and their original song, Nothing Can Stop, for our intro and our outro music. Tune in again in two weeks for our next episode of Resiliency.
2: ¡Gracias!